0: Here's your host, William
1: Tincup.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Warren on, and we're, we're, the topic we're going to be talking about is why is humility the most important leadership quality? And it might seem obvious, but I'm assuming it's not as obvious as, as we think. So I can't wait to hear and learn from Warren. Warren, would you do us a favor, the audience a favor, and introduce both yourself
1: and kind of what you do in the world? Uh, Warren Rustan, live in Tucson, Arizona, seven children, 19 grandchildren. We all live together on a common acreage, built homes there for our children. It's great. So we're all together. Uh, Spent time uh, uh, playing professional basketball with the Golden State Warriors, uh, ended up in the White House as appointment secretary to the president, and uh, have served on 52 boards of directors. And and I've been the CEO of six companies. So I had an opportunity to, to look at leadership from a broad perspective and written a book called The Leader Within Us, uh, which defines how to design our life around being the leader in our home, our businesses, our communities, and for ourselves. Oh, well, that's what's beautiful about that, that
0: is you're not separating work leadership from personal leadership.
1: Correct. That's right. I, I love think that. Life is about integration and it all flows together. And uh, we need to be leaders in all aspects of our lives.
0: Right. Well, that's that's a great message uh, for folks to hear. You know, the the common concept that I, the question that I get from folks when it as it relates to leadership is nature versus nurture, right? And I right. know that you've studied this, uh, and you have and you have thoughts on it. What do what do you, when people ask you that question? What's your how do you kind of deconstruct that for them?
1: Well, like you, William, I get that question a lot right and, and i do believe we come with a certain genetic package we come with right. a certain dna right and there are attributes to that however the leadership is an acquired skill set uh, leadership can be developed leadership can be grown and each of us no matter what our station in life is can become better at it by acquiring certain skills attributes and attitudes and when we do that we expand our universe of influence and we become what people would look and say there's a leader And that leadership might be coaching soccer or Little League or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, a community-based organization or a corporation, a church, a not-for-profit. It could be exhibited in many different places, but we can grow that capacity for leadership.
0: So we won't deal with the DNA side uh, because we can't (laughs) impact that as much, Uh, but the growing in the building and the experiences, et cetera, What's your, once, once we move people intellectually over, over to there and just say, listen, you know, there's all these experiences that you can gather. Um, where do you like to start people? Like when you, when you start them down that path, like, okay, listen, you, you can be a leader and, you know, you can choose to be a leader and you can define that in a couple of different ways. How do they, how do you get them off the couch and get them into starting down the path of trying leadership?
1: Well, assuming that a person wants to do that, I mean, the first is desire, right? The first is desire. A person is going to get off the couch if they want to change, if they want to be something different than they are. And the first principle of that is clarity of vision, Mm. that we need to walk ourselves into our future, one, three, five years down the road, smell, feel, touch what that's going to be like in our visualization of where we want to be. And then walk ourselves backward to our present state. And along the way create the milestones that we have to hit in order to achieve our vision. So the first is clarity of vision. We have to know where we're going. And all the great leaders I've had a chance to associate with in in professional sports and the celebrity world, as well as uh, generals in the military, presidents of the United States and so forth, all of them knew where they were going. They had a clear view of what they were doing. So that clarity of vision is really critical. The second step, the second principle is certainty of intent. Once we decide what we want to become and how we want to lead and where we want to go, we have to intentionally act on that every day. Right. Just just having it doesn't matter much, right? It's just a nice vision. Right. We have to act on that and move toward it every day. And we hear story after story of entrepreneurs who are. Overnight successes, only to find out they've been working at it for twenty years, right? Um,
0: that's the Hollywood story. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So this notion, this notion is that we can intentionally act on our vision each day. We can do something that moves us closer. And then the third piece, the third principle, is the power of values. How we live our lives actually matters, and it displays for others what's important to us and how we think about ourselves and others. And that needs to manifest itself in our leadership, that our values actually count. Uh, what we think matters in the world does matter. And therefore our values have to be front and center in everything that we do. We can't be one person on stage and another person off stage. Right? There's a consistency of values that we have to have. And you and I both know, William, that the people we admire most are the people who are consistent and constant and they always are delivering the same value set. Right. And um, and those are people we like and admire. So I would say those three principles, the clarity of vision, certainty of intent and the power of values are the three most important principles to start the leadership journey.
0: I love that. And how do you, with how do you deal with agility or nimbleness or change in any of those three principles? Like if well, something has to change, something you know something is forced to change, um, you know, maybe your values have changed. I don't, I don't know, but, or the, the vision, your vision has changed in the tech world. They'd call it a pivot, right? Yes. Uh, but, but, but say your vision has changed. Then, then some of those other things might, it might have a rippling effect. How do you kind of coach people through the agility or how to deal with change?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because we're living in the middle of that right now. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> because all of our visions did not envision <laughs> COVID.
0: I'd like to talk to the gal or the guy that had already envisioned this and, and have that discussion. But you're That's right.
1: That's right. But so these things just happened to us, right? If we think back to the tech crash in 2000, we think back to the financial collapse 2008, nine, and ten. We think now about the pandemic, which we're involved in. All of those required us to pivot, alter, change, adapt, adjust in some way. Right. And our ability to do that will oftentimes determine our success going forward. There are some people who are so rigid, so focused that they can't change. And for many of them, when the crisis comes along, it is very difficult and very hard. For others, it seems as if they don't miss a beat, right? Okay, the crisis hits, boom, I'm going to pivot, I'm going to change, I'm going to alter, and I'm going to make it work and we've seen a lot of that during the pandemic. We've seen one a lot of businesses go out of business, mm-hmm. but we've also seen a lot of businesses that pivoted the and have actually flourished and thrived during this period of time. Yeah. And so that that that's a great question because the nimbleness, the agility, right, the adaptability for us as leaders is really critical. I asked my dad once, dad, what do I need to succeed and in business, and he said, "You need to be agile, mobile, and hostile." You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tattoo. That's awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, and he, and absolutely correct. I mean, yeah. it just couldn't have been better. Better and very, very, dis, very uh, distilled uh, information. What you know, because rigidity, obviously, I can see that in, in some of the leaders that, that I've interacted with. But I'll, dare i say that some of it is also that I've seen arrogance. Yes. You know, like, like well, I have a clarity of vision and, and I remember this 20 something years ago with an entrepreneur I worked with, he had clarity and vision and would not step off of it. And it wasn't, right. it wasn't just rigid like that's That was definitely a part of it. But another part of it is he just believed he was right. Yeah. Wouldn't sometimes accept-
1: William you know you're that's a great point sometimes our ego gets mm. in the way and leads us to cul-de-sacs a dead end yep um, because we're so rigid we're so strong in our belief that we're right we suppress the ideas from others or the influence of others in that whole process and don't listen well necessarily now you and I both know throughout history there have been times when that same rigidity Cause someone to be successful. That's right? right. That's right. Edison in developing the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a thousand failures before he yep. developed the light bulb, right? Yep. So we, and, and, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln failed in running for public office eight times before he became president of the United States. Right, so, right. so there is this doggedness that's an important quality and attribute, um, tenacity, persistence. But we have to be careful that our ego doesn't begin to influence our decision making. And that's why I talk a lot about humility being the number one quality of great leadership. It's, it's, it's our ability to see ourselves uh, in an equal way with everyone else. It's, it's funny because I've had that question from
0: folks. Um, and I've basically said it's a thin line between arrogance and confidence. That's right. And when, when when you're confident, you just feel like you're confident about your vision and about how you're approaching the problem, etc. That's one thing. But when you when you transcend and you get to that level where you're arrogant, then then you can miss and yes. and often do. And I think that does it perfectly dovetails into our discussion about humility. Um, it now I'll ask the similar but different question around humility: is is humility learned?
1: I believe humility is acquired as well. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it's something we can all practice, right? Um, we, we allow our egos to get too involved. We need to right. stop the world that we live in. That's I, me, and my. And we need to create a world of us, we, and ours. This, that's a very subtle and distinct difference between thinking of ourselves exclusively and thinking of ourselves in a collaborative way. And, and one of the things that we know is that when we recruit people, to businesses, to our business, for example, when we're recruiting people, we know that they're, they are attracted to our companies because of our culture, but they leave because of leaders, right? leaders who can't practice humility, leaders who are abusive, leaders who are too strong-willed, right? who aren't collaborative. And so this whole notion of how we present ourselves in the world, humility is the critical piece because it makes us acceptable to other people, where ego and arrogance rarely does. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, well, and some people that are attracted to that are only attracted to that for
0: for a while, and then yeah. at one point they they grow tired of that. What what blocks humility for for folks? Like, what's what are some of the things that you've seen that just That just get in the way, Uh, you know. Ego is obviously uh, yeah.
1: Ego is part of it, but the the notion that we created our success ourselves and no mm -hmm. one helped us along the way, no one is responsible. You know, I look back at my life and I've had wonderful success, but I look around the way and there have been key influences in my life from other people who directed me, guided me, helped me, brought me down. I had a wrestling coach in high school. I wasn't a wrestler; I was a basketball player, but he was my government teacher. And I had achieved some significance and awards and recognition and so forth in my senior year. And I was acting out my ego. And after class one day, he pulled me aside and said, "Warren, I need to talk to you. He said, you're a jerk. And you're (laughs) acting like a jerk. And if you keep (laughs) acting like a jerk, you won't have any friends. Put your ego away and learn to serve and love other people. And when you do that, you're acceptable. And I said, some of the best advice I've ever gotten, right? Because I was just feeling so full of myself right, that I, over what I'd accomplished. I couldn't see the needs of others. I wasn't helping others. I wasn't influencing others for good. And so I learned to become a servant leader. And in building our companies and, and doing the things that we do, uh, we find that humility is absolutely the number one quality of leadership. Well, you know,
0: humility, when you fail, it's easy to be humble. Yes. Uh right. <laughs> yes. Cuz life has humbled you. <laughs> put you in a corner, baby cuz baby's been put in a corner. Um I I I'm struggle with like six balancing success and humility. And you know, like thinking about the people, uh, you know, as celebrities and politicians and sports and that have achieved massive amount of success, how do they remain humble?
1: Humility is an internal judgment that one makes about how they want to live their life. Let me give Mm. you an example. Growing up playing basketball, the Boston Celtics were the greatest team in the NBA. They won 11 NBA championships in 13 years. Bill Russell was six-time MVP and so forth. I had a chance to go to Bill Russell's house for dinner one night. And I went to his home and I looked around and it was a beautiful home and a lovely guy. And we had a great time. And as I was leaving, I said, Bill, I said, there's not one thing in your house that suggests that you ever played basketball any time in your life. And I said, Bill, I've been to homes of athletes where they've got entire rooms (laughs) and they've got spotlights and they've got everything. And I said, and Bill, there's nothing in your house that reflects the fact that you're the best basketball player in the world today. And I said, why is that? He said, because I never wanted my children to compete with me. Oh, I thought that was a wonderful statement of humility. Wow. Wonder, a, a great perspective, because he was saying that being a father is more important than being a basketball player. And I thought, what a great statement about a human being. And he came out to Tucson many times after that to play in the Tucson Open Golf Tournament. And we spent lots of time together. And he was always humble, self-deprecating. He yeah. would make fun of himself. Yeah. He would see himself in a totally different light than you and I could name a hundred other professional athletes. Who spend all of their time promoting themselves? Right. Who spend all of their time with their ego out front, and I just find that to be refreshing. I tend to want to be around people who are humble. Right. I, I yeah. just think they're more interesting, more fun.
0: Well, and I've 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 told the story uh, a few times. I've been around a couple of billionaires, Sam Walden and Ed Bass in particular. I spent a lot of time around both 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 men, and I remember in, in both exchanges. The first time I met him, I called him, you know, Mr. Walton or Mr. Bass, and they corrected me.
1: Yeah. They
0: said, No, my name's Sam. I remember, I remember Sam because I picked him up at an airport. So it was really kind of funny because it was just him and I. Right. And he just looked at me as my name's Sam. Yeah. And I'm like, Man, I mean, that's just, and, and Ed Bass did the exact same thing to me. You yeah. know, you know, but we were in a, in a group meeting and I said, Mr. Bass. He's like, My name's Ed. <laughs>
1: Well, like, well and, you know Sam getting his little airplane, and he'd fly off and visit oh, yeah. stores, and he'd just store, show up at the stores. And, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, he was just a regular guy, right?
0: He was a regular guy, and um, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bit. Yeah, you know, like this is actually because I picked I drove, I, I drove that truck. I was in that truck. I, I picked him up at the airport. I, I was in those stores, and that wasn't a bit. There wasn't a, as you said very eloquently, there wasn't a public Sam Walton and a private Sam Walton. That's right. There was just Sam Walton. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he was country savvy, yep. uh, no doubt. And so it was Ed Bass. They're very savvy people, but very, also very humble in their success, which is, I think, you know, at that level. I mean, when billionaire, you've got money on top of money, just to, to be able to balance it out and not get caught up in your own ego and a, what, and other people, you know, other, you know, that you're the people that are around you getting caught up in your success as well.
1: Right. And not allowing others to treat you in a particular way. They need mm. to be able, people should learn to treat you no matter how successful you are uh, in, in a humble way. Right. And, and sometimes we don't allow that to happen. We present ourselves in a way that, other people are either afraid or concerned or nervous or, or they're uh, set off by how we present ourselves. I think we have to be very careful about that. Not, what we found over the years in leadership is the greatest way to keep our ego in check is to serve other people. It's just to help other people. And if we're right. having a bad day, let's go help somebody who's having a worse day than we're having. Right. Um, you know, let's just go serve people. In 1906, there was a book uh, written called Servant and it was the first real description of servant leadership. And we preach and teach servant leadership to all the people who work with us and all the people I speak to and, and write books for and so forth. And, and it's this notion of uh, humility is an attribute that can be cultivated and developed in the same way that ego can be. And we need to be sure that we are the ones that are leading by humility uh, and uh, not expecting others to do it.
0: Yeah. You know, two two questions. One, one is my mom and dad tell me stories of Elvis you know, there was Elvis before his mom passed, and then there was Elvis after his mom passed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then and a lot of it was because of the people that surrounded him. They were they were they were different. There was a lot of people that once his mom passed, that were just yes people, and and if Elvis wanted to do Quailers, <laughs> they'd say yeah, sounds fantastic. You know he didn't have a there wasn't any guardrails, and before when his mother was alive, he had guardrails. And it's just it's interesting to think about leaders of, of having that balance, the balance within themselves to be able to put themselves in check and be humble and to be thinking about, you know, the, their own orientation around humility, but also to be surrounded by people that also kind of help them with humility.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's really interesting. At one point, uh, Elvis Presley was the largest single taxpayer in the United States. I didn't know that. And he never ever, he had lots of opportunities to write off taxes differently and cheat on taxes and do. He never did. He just paid the percentage of his income that he needed to pay. And he was proud of it. Right. Wow. He was proud of it. Um, He was interesting. He's an interesting study because the latter part of his life, he was a bit out of control for the very reasons that you mentioned. Right. Earlier in his life, he had boundaries. And I think that's, that's part of humility is, is creating boundaries for ourselves within which we're willing to live right and act right and then there are those who who don't have boundaries and there are no non-negotiables you know everything is sort of negotiable to them uh, right and everything can be justified and excuses can be made for them. right rationalized rationalization. Rationalization, rationalization just abounds yeah. doesn't it yeah yeah and we see that all all across our country and maybe more so today in politics and yes. or else right and so this notion is that that we need to guard against that in every way possible. We need to do things. And I've often said to our children, all of whom, we've got four children who are CEOs of their own business, all doing well. And and I said to our children, sometimes the best decision you can make is what not to buy. Yep. It's not what you can afford. It's what you choose not to buy, because that's a statement of you. I don't need to show up in a Bugatti. That's right you know, to a meeting, right. When I can drive up in a Volkswagen, a <laughs> truck, right. I, because Both are forms of transportation. They that's both a, get me there. Right. That's
0: right. That's right. And and again, if you're, your ego, that's, uh, and I, there's probably other ways of thinking about it, but ego gets in there and, and then says, no, you have to show up because other people are thinking, uh, you know, it, this is you, this is your humility, and again, it's 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 what you want to create. And and again, I think you know, the Elvis example is probably a change in values. One of your principles, you know, there's probably those guardrails that there's probably there was an adjustment of values and what right. he valued and what do other people valued out of him? And yes. uh, you know, last question, and, and it's probably something that people as are as are listening they're just curious about how do you practice humility? <laughs> huh. How do you how do you <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, how do you, how do you get skilled at it? How do you get better at it? Because like, if I wanted to get better at uh, public speaking, I got, I got a mechanism or several mechanisms for that. Right. But but humility, I'm, I'm not sure how I, how I practice that.
1: Yeah. So what I suggest, that's a great question. And what I should suggest to people every morning when they know they're awake and their eyes are first open is to sit on the edge of their bed, swing their legs over the edge of the bed. Don't get up. Just sit on the edge of the bed and decide what is their purpose for the day? How are they gonna show up today? Because in the end, each day builds upon itself for success. And every day we have to be prepared to be our best self. And so setting our mind in a particular way will focus on how we execute that day. And therefore, if I can decide that today I wanna be a humble servant, today I wanna be the leader of a great management team, Today. I want to do the things that are going to make people better. If I can have those kinds of conversations with myself every morning and set my mind to that, then I have a much better chance of accomplishing humility over the course of the day than if I set my mind, if I sit on that same edge of the bed and say, man, I hope I make a lot of money today. Man, I've got to destroy this guy in the negotiation. Man, I've got to be better than somebody else. I think our mindset determines our humility and we have to focus our mind. It's that great
0: line from Cool Hand Luke: uh, "You gotta get your mind right." <laughs> That's right. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> but it also gets back to your principles. You yeah. know, these are these are in tandem. So if you swing your legs over the bed, you're thinking about these things. You are also thinking about them with the backdrop of you know the clarity of vision and and and, and all the all three principles. You're thinking about them with that backdrop. That's but it's, right. It's intentional. It's purposeful. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. Humility is intentional, just like success is intentional. Right. Well, these these don't happen by mistake or by accident. People People sometimes wait their whole life to be successful, just waiting for it to happen to them. Right. Right. Other people set out to be successful, but they work at it every day. Well, Warren, this has
0: been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for a carving out time to educate us. And thank you for just a wonderful topic.
1: William, thank you very much for your good questions. And most importantly, thank you for the great podcast that you do. I know people who listen to you, and they really believe you're providing a value and a service to others. And so I'm happy to be a part of it and want to thank you for it.
0: Well, Thank you. Thank you again. And uh, thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time.